verses 6 and 7, says this, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness, to bear witness of the light, in other words, testify of the light, that all through him might believe in it, adhere to it, trust it, and rely upon it. Now, this should not be a surprise to anyone, especially if you've read your Bible. Uh, Malachi chapter 3 and verse 1 says this, Behold, I send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me. Talking about Jesus. The messenger, of course, was John the Baptist. But before we get to him, I have a question just for you. Would God send you as a witness for him? Would he use you as the messenger concerning Jesus Christ? The third one is, can you truthfully say that God can trust you as a witness for Him? John the Baptist was a chosen man. He was pulled aside by God to be a spokesman, an example for others to follow, and a voice for them to hear. Behold, I send my messenger before your face. Mark 1 and 2. I believe that God intends for man to look upon John and see someone who is a leader. One who lives the type of lifestyle that you can follow without being ashamed. By the way, that's what parents are for. Fathers especially. And mothers. A father ought to be a leader. Parents ought to be leaders. A voice to hear, to listen to, and to heed because that father is an example of holiness, hopefully, and one who fears the Lord. John the Baptist wasn't a super, superhuman, as uh, Brother Stacy told talked to us about Samson this morning. God doesn't use superhuman people. He's super. All He wants is humans to be willing and obedient uh, when they when He's called. And but He didn't He didn't need and didn't uh, John wasn't a superhuman that God sent to tell the world about the coming Messiah. He was a very simple man, very much human. But he was set aside for a special work for the glory of God. Now, I realize that all, not all men are called to preach the gospel. But you know what? Every one of us, every one of you, has a talent. I've heard people say, and all, my, all preacher, you don't understand, I, I can't do that. Listen, everybody can do something. Uh, you don't have to be the one that preaches. You don't have to. I wish to, My brother's a professional musician. He seems like he can pick up a stick and make music out of it. I can play a radio if it's plugged in and turned on, you know. Uh, I can play it in my head. I know what I want him to do on the guitar. I just can't do it myself. But, you know, it's a great talent to be able to play the piano, the organ, the guitar, fiddle. I don't care what it is. But everybody is not called to do the same thing. But he was set aside for a special work. And, by the way, whatever it is you're called to do, it ought to be special to you and make bring glory unto God. And I, I believe, as I share about John today and his ministry, I want you to please take notice and see if there are any similarities for you in your life as to how you're to be a witness for Jesus before your family and others. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, as we come to you again this morning, we thank you for your love and your watch care over us. I ask now, Lord, that you have every heart open and receptive to the wooing of your Holy Spirit. God, that you will lead us, guide us, and direct us in each and everything that's said and done. 
We give you praise for this church. We give you praise for this pastoral family. And God, we thank you for them and their work. We ask you now to go with us, Lord, as we go through this message and forgive us where we failed. In Jesus' name. And the church says, Amen. God was with John from the very beginning. Luke 1 tells us about how Mary, the mother of Jesus, went to see her cousin Elizabeth in Judah and told her of the encounter with the angel of God and his message concerning her in the coming Messiah. And in verse 41 it says, And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the babe leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Listen, before the birth of the child God occurred, I mean, of John occurred, God touched him, and he grew to be a man of three things that I want to point out today. He, he had power through the Spirit, there was a purpose for his message, and there was a public ministry. First of all, the power through the Spirit. Luke 1, chapter, uh, verse 80 says, So the child grew and became strong in spirit and was in the deserts until the day of his manifestation to Israel. Listen, John was summoned by God, he was schooled by God, and he was sent by God. There was a man sent by God. Malachi 3, 1 again said, Behold, I send my messenger. Now, this messenger came in the power of the Spirit. Do you know that when a person comes today to witness for Christ, they must come in the name of Jesus Christ, which in turn will do one of two things. It will either stir your soul with gladness, or it will trouble it with pain and heartache. You know, one of the things that I've learned in my ministry is that when you come to church and the message you hear does not change you one way or the other, I haven't done very much. You ought to be somehow touched by the message, every message that you hear from a preacher, from a man of God, from a lesson. If it does nothing, there's something wrong with either the one who's delivering it or the one who's receiving it. There will be a reaction to God dealing with your heart as He fingers about the heartstrings in order to bring you to where He wants you to be, where He wants me to be. We must remember how powerful that the Holy Spirit is. <clears throat> Remember in Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, and it says, The Spirit of God was moving or hovering over the face of the waters. The Holy Spirit has a work to do also in the men that are called by God. Jesus tells us of the Holy Spirit's responsibility, which is to guide you into all truth. Why? For He will speak on His will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will tell you of things to come. That's John 16, verse 13. Jesus continues in verses 14 and 15 and says, He will glorify Me, for He will take of what is Mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are Mine. Therefore, I said that He, the Holy Spirit, will take of Mine and He'll declare it to you. By the way, that's not just for the preachers. That principle is for every believer, everyone who has acknowledged the, the fact that Jesus Christ is their Lord and Savior. Now, remember something here, please. We are to worship God the Father through God the Son as we're led by the Holy Spirit. Did you, do you, now, don't misunderstand it, but we don't worship the uh, Holy Spirit. Now, I know He's God. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But we follow Him as He guides us. That's His responsibility of the Trinity. 
just in case you've forgotten why that we're to listen to and follow the Holy Spirit, it is because as the Christian, what? Who lives within us? The Holy Spirit. And that's why that we're to listen. Remember the promise of Jesus in John 14? He says, I will pray the Father, Jesus is speaking, and He will give you another Helper, that He may be abide with you forever, the Spirit of truth, and I like this part, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees Him nor knows Him. Now let me stop right there. We wonder sometimes why people don't listen to the Gospel. They don't know who the Holy Spirit is. They haven't, they haven't surrendered unto Him. But then Jesus makes a very stern, remarkable statement. He's talking to the Christian, to the believer, when He says, But you know Him. You see, we don't have an excuse for not serving the Lord if we haven't received Jesus Christ as our Savior. Why? For He dwells with you and will be in you. And then He said a great promise, I will not leave you orphans. I'll come unto you. And because He dwells in us as we walk with Him. By the way, that's, that's important, folks. We are to walk with Him. We have the power to overcome the sin that we're tempted with if, if we'll but yield to the Holy Spirit that's in us. Listen, when we labor through the power of the Spirit, what happens? Results take place. God will always bless His Word. The children of God get results one way or the other. Jesus said in Acts 1.8, one famous Scripture, "...but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to Me in Jerusalem." That's where we live. "...and in all Judea and Samaria, and even to the end of the earth." Conversion. Conversion results in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And by the way, there's just one baptism. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. If you're not baptized with the Holy Spirit, you're not saved. That's the only way you can get it. Growth in the Lord results in the power through the Spirit. Now, Christians want to be strong, and they want to be powerful in the eyes of their families. By the way, fathers, that ought to be something you adhere to, that you're looking forward to. They want their children to feel that they can count on them regardless of the situation. A little sidetrack. My dad was 87 years old when he passed away. took him 60 years to get it right, Brother Stacy. It wasn't... Uh, we, I wasn't raised in church with my mom and dad leading me all the time. My mom, different. She was. Dad sent us to church. Wanted to make sure we went. But he wouldn't always go. He was 60 years old before he got it right. Thankfully... I don't worry about where he is tonight because of that. But I know how much he missed. I remember when he told me how much he missed by not. And my grandmother even told me one time, and my aunt also told me she was my prayer partner before the Lord took her home. And she said, I know, she was the youngest of eight. She said, I know within myself that your dad was called to preach and he's been running. I told her, I said, well, he may not have stood in the pulpit, but he sure preached to me a lot, you know, and telling me what I ought to be doing. But you see, I believe that families will look to us and at us to see if we have lived our lives in a manner which brings glory to God and honor to Jesus Christ. Did you know that somebody's watching you? Listen, just real quick with hands up. How many of you have neighbors that don't go to church live around you? Okay. 
When we went to Hillsdale, moved to Moore, Oklahoma, uh, the, after the first year, we bought a house. The first week we were there, I was out mowing the grass, getting the yard cleaned up and everything. And here come these three kids down the street on bicycles and skateboard. And they stopped there, and I saw where they stopped, so I turned the mower off. And I said, hey, guys, how's it going? He said, well, we've got a question for you. And I said, all right. Said, now we already know that you're associated with Hillsdale. And I thought, how? I just got here. Said, what we don't know is, are you a professor there or are you a student? You know what that taught me? It reminded me that regardless of who you are or where you are, somebody knows about you. They know you go to church, they know what kind of life they watch you and me. So I realized all of a sudden I have to be careful how I live, where I go, who I go with, and the things that I do. Listen, holiness is the best, best thing that can be said concerning your life. Can you say that? That you're a holy person? You see, truth is what folks are looking for. And oh yes, uh, children, whew, you can't fool kids. Children are looking for truth in and from their fathers, from their mother, from their pastor, from their teachers. You know why? There's power in truth. There's power in truth. Let me remind you of what Jesus said in John 14, 16, and 17. He said, you will receive a helper, who? the Spirit of truth. John preached the truth which concerned everyone. Some rejoiced in the truth, but others, many in fact, cried out in anger. And by the way, that still happens today. People get mad, angry when you tell them the truth about their sin, when they're confronted with it. They don't want to hear it. Leave me alone. Let me live like I want to. I want to stay right where I am. Now, they won't say, I want to stay in my sinful ways, but that's what they're saying. They don't word it that way. John was preaching truth concerning Herod, you remember? And the wife of his brother about their adulterous lifestyle. That's another thing. Everybody says, oh, you don't have to be married. That's old hat, preacher. You're living in the past. That's amazing. God's Word hadn't changed. I've been looking for it. Been trying to figure out a way to live better and not have to do these things. But I don't do them because I have to. I do them because I want to. And by the way, do you know why people don't get saved? They don't want to. I used to smoke, unfortunately. Now, I'm not, don't, don't let me throw anything. I'm not talking about people who do. But I used to smoke. I quit a thousand times until I wanted to. When I wanted to, I quit. Listen, we do what we want to do. You all, all of us do. If I, you want to go somewhere extra, we want to go on a play golf, or if you don't have the money, you save up for it. You, make, you mark the calendar. Whatever it is, we'll do what we want to do. Herod was angry. He was so angry that he threw John in prison. Now, not only did John preach the truth concerning Herod's adultery, but against all the evils that Herod had done. That wasn't just the only thing he was talking about. Peter was another man of God who preached the truth with power. We find in Acts 2, we're told on the day of Pentecost, Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. For these are not drunk, as you suppose, because they heard them speaking in different languages and they didn't go to school where they did. But listen, he does a very common sense thing and says this, For since it's only the third hour of the day, that's nine o'clock in the morning, Everybody knew you didn't get drunk back then, at least not back then. 
Then in verse 22, he said, Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles and wonders and signs which God did through him in your midst, as you also know yourselves. It didn't matter what he had done before. They wanted to believe the worst. Him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God said, you've taken by lawless hands, you've crucified, you've put to death, whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death because it was not possible that he should be held by it. Now, when they heard this, and this is what's not happening today, Brother Stacy. When they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? I can't remember the last time that I've witnessed, I've preached, I've talked, and somebody has said, What do I need to do? It's been a long time. Hearts are growing colder and harder every day. Then Peter said to them, Repent. Let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promises that God gives us. I'm reading about, listening about Samson this morning. You look at him and say, why in the world couldn't he see what Delilah was doing? I couldn't help but thank you. The lesson was going, Why in the world didn't I get saved before I did? I heard all those things. I knew all those things. I simply, I waited. I was 18 years old when I got saved. I was in the church. I was leader of the youth. I led the music. I sang in all whatever we were singing in. Went on visitation. Led the youth group. Lost as I could be. But I was a good kid. Dated the prettiest girl in the church. That's one of the reasons I was going. You know. But when the preacher preached that morning, I still can't tell you what he preached on. All of a sudden, he was given the invitation. I was the song leader. I jumped up, his daughter playing the piano, and she said, what are we singing? And I said, I don't know. I opened the book, and guess what it fell open to? Who at my door is standing? I knew who was there. I just didn't want to acknowledge him. I was saved that morning. My pastor was a great man. He's with God today. He did not say, Jerry, what's wrong with you? You've been going to church here two years. You've been doing all that. He took the Bible, opened it up, and showed me the Romans road like I had never seen it before. And I was saved that morning. Listen, you must repent. Another example of the power of the Holy Spirit is found in Acts 3. Remember Peter and John? They were going up into the temple to pray. The lame man cried out for alms. He wanted something from them, but he got more than what he expected, or he didn't. He got what he didn't expect, because Peter said, "Silver and gold have I none, but what I do have, I'll give to you." He took him by the right hand and he lifted him up, and he said, "In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise and walk." Listen, folks, I got news for you. As if we have the Word of God in our heart, and we're serious about leading people to Christ, we too can take folks by the hand in that manner, and lift them up from where they are because we know what's right in this book. We can still do that. I'm not talking about the miracles that they did. The Bible said immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. But we can lift folks up with the Word of God. There's purpose for the message quickly. This man, John the Baptist, came for a witness, to bear witness of the light 
that that all through him might believe. Let, let me let me read to you John chapter three. Let me turn there. Very familiar scripture. Everybody knows this. John three sixteen. You can quote it. Now your page is turning. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And folks, stop there. But look at 17 and 18. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. He who believes in Him is not condemned. Now, let me stop there. A lot of folks say, well, preacher, I believe. Listen, the Bible says the devils believe, but they tremble. Man doesn't even have enough sense and gumption to tremble. By the way, the word believe is an action word. It's something you do, not in order to be saved, but because you have been saved, there's a new work. It's the, it's the good works that you do because that is an action word. He who believes in Him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Verse 36, He who believes in the Son had ever, has everlasting life, <clears throat> and he who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. John had a purpose for his message. John 1.23 says, He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. Listen, folks, we have a purpose in our responsibilities in sharing the truth of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world. Fathers, mothers, uh, uncles and aunts that are believers, we have a responsibility. And you have a responsibility in raising your children. And it's our duty, it's your duty, as well as responsibility, to make the way straight for those who are placed in our charge. Listen, as fathers, for instance, you're in charge of raising the children. Now remember that God has loaned you that He's longed you and placed in your care in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. It is your responsibility to teach them the necessity of being saved. It is mine and other Christians' duty to witness to all that we have the opportunity to. John's purpose was to prepare the people for the transition from law unto grace. He was to prepare the people for the coming King, for the Messiah who was and is the Savior of the world. The one who would bring peace to the heart and rest to the soul, leading them out of the bondage of sin. Had a fellow tell me one time, said, oh, preacher, you don't know what you're talking about. Anyway, that's just the way you see it. I've had my own family tell me, oh, that's just the way you look at it, Jerry. No, that's the way God said it. I've never understood how that you can take something so plain. You know, don't touch that, it's hot. There's a sign there. That stove is hot. Don't touch it. Oh, really? <laughs> don't stick anything. Don't stick that screwdriver in that socket. It's liable to kill you. I wonder if it will. Oh, we're about the dumbest creature God created sometime. Listen. That was John's purpose. And ours is the same as Christians. As fathers and mothers, you are to teach your children about Jesus. 
You're to tell them that He is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except by Him. John knew that it was the message then, and I'm telling you that it is still the message today. Man is lost and needs to be saved. Jesus said, I came to seek and to save that which was lost. Folks, that was us. And that's still the world. Not only does man need to be saved, he needs to understand that there's a daily walk with Jesus, and it's not an occasional stroll. You do not have the privilege to serve and to live for Christ when it is convenient for you. Jesus said, take up your cross when? Daily and follow me. Not when, it's, when I don't have anything else to do. John 1, 12 and 13 said, but as, many, but as many as received Him, to them He gave the right to become the children of God. To those who believe in His name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of man, but of God. Listen, John had the power through the Spirit. He had a purpose for his message. He, was, he also carried out his commission openly, and we should do that also. If we are powered by the Holy Spirit and we carry through with our purpose of serving Him, then we too can have a public ministry. John 1.15 says, John bore witness of Him and cried out, saying, This was He of whom I said, He who comes comes after me is preferred before me, for He was before me. But in verse 29, one of the greatest statements that John ever made, and the next day, John saw Jesus coming through toward him, and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. What a declaration of acknowledging our Savior and Lord. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Listen, John declared him publicly. His public ministry brought about the knowledge and preparation of Jesus. John's preaching definitely caused a controversy. No one wants to have controversy today. Oh, listen, let's, let's, let's be sure that everybody gets along. I mean, don't cause a problem by treach, preaching the truth of the Bible. After all, there are some who don't believe it to be true, so let's be silent. Really? That's what's happening, I'm afraid. God, John denounced publicly, regardless of whose sin it was and regardless of the sin. The world today would have us to be very tolerant of sin. We've been told by the leaders in Washington, D.C. that we are no longer a Christian nation. So we must be tolerant of those who hate us and want to kill us. We should not preach against sin as we see it from God's point of view. I'm not talking about mine and your point of view. I've got a lot of geriology every once in a while. But I always try to, try to back it up as close as I can. But I can't always do that. It's my opinion. But listen, when God says sin is sin, it's sin. Let everybody do as they please. Well, after all, do do we not live in the land of the free? I can pick and choose, preacher, to live as I want to. Yes, you can. You have that right. But the real truth is, folks don't want to be reminded of their sin. You see, John exposed sin regardless of its size or shape. And as I said a while ago, sin is sin, period. If it is contrary to the will of God, it is sin. John proclaimed Jesus as the Messiah in verse 34 when he said, I have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. 
By the way, John wasn't ashamed of the fact that Jesus was his Savior. And you and I shouldn't be either. But then, I'm not through yet. Hold up. But, <laughs> but then we have the reaction from folks. They'll say, yeah, preacher, but you don't understand. Look what happened to John for what he did. John took his stand in his public message of Christ, and he kept on preaching it. They threw him in prison. They cut off his head. They killed him. Ah, his life was over. No, it wasn't. They killed the body. Listen, John began to live greater than he'd ever lived the moment that old axe came down. And I'm not too... Now, this is geriology. I'm not too sure that the Lord let him even feel the blade of that axe. I, I kind of want to believe that just about the time he got there, his spirit was gone. He didn't feel a thing because he was in the presence of the Lord. John was more alive than it had ever been. We need more men like John. Men who are not afraid to tell others about their faith in Jesus. By the way, that's for fathers and mothers too. Not ashamed to train their children in the way to follow Him. John had a public ministry. I'm almost through. We need more to have a public ministry. Listen, Jesus was our example, by the way. He's our example in everything. But Jesus was our example especially for a public ministry. You remember the woman at the well? What happened to her? She didn't become just a witness for one or two. She witnessed to the whole town. What about the blind man? He followed the Lord and told everybody. The leper. The man lame at the pool of Bethsaida. Let me conclude like this. We must recognize that there is a need for power through the Spirit. We need to be a witness wherever we are and whatever your gift is. By the way, it may be running the vacuum. I can't do that because of my back surgery, Brother Stacy. Hurt my back when I was 18. And when we lived in Oklahoma City, this is a rabbit trail, so hang on, I'll be right back. Chiropractor there. Hadn't been for a chiropractor, a lady chiropractor, I wouldn't be walking around good. Anyway, chiropractor in our church. And he told me, he said, now, I said, I'm on the Hillsdale golf team. He said, well, he said, this, this motion is good. He said, no back and forth, no sweeping, no mopping, no running the vacuum cleaner. I said, you better, you do know Barbara, who I'm married to. I said, I need that in a prescription written out so I can take it. She is not going to believe that. I told him, I said, I told Barbara, and she said, I don't believe that. <laughs> Power through the Spirit. Purpose for the message. Reveal Christ as Savior. Acts chapter 8, verse 35 said, Philip opened his mouth beginning at this scripture preached to Jesus to preach Jesus to him verse 32 the place in the scripture which he read was this he was led as a sheep to the slaughter and as a lamb before its shear is silent so he opened not his mouth what happened the eunuch was saved he was reading Isaiah and then there's the public ministry after the lame man was healed at the gate of the temple which is called beautiful 
what happened. So he, the Bible says, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Now, by the way, don't go around carrying a sign that says, I'm a Christian, so don't say anything bad. If you've got to take your Bible and beat people over the head with it, you're not doing it right. But people ought to know by who you are, what you say, where you go, how you act and react, that you're a believer in Jesus Christ. Brother Stacy and I were talking earlier this morning. I was telling him about somebody who was worried about denominational names. Did you know there's not a free will Baptist going to heaven? There's not a Church of Christ. There's not a Pentecostal. There's not a Nazarene. Not a Southern Baptist. Nobody gets into heaven because of the church name where you go. You get to heaven because you are a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, and He is your Savior. And you walk with Him on a daily basis. You're true to Him. You're faithful to Him. You're faithful to His house where God has gathered you together so you can worship and grow. A lot of people say, I had a guy tell me one time, said, Brother Jerry, you don't understand. I do not need to go to church to be a Christian. I said, really? He said, I don't. I said, you know, you may be right. He said, you mean you agree with me? I said, well, you may not have to. You may not uh, because go to church to make sure that you're a Christian, but Christians go to church. And I showed him this. I said, if you've ever been around a campfire, you take a coal and you set it over here by itself. What happens to it? He said, well, it goes out. I said, right. But if you pick it up and you put it back in the coals, it begins to glow again. You see, you can't, you're not an individual that way. Unless you're on a deserted island like John was. The only relationship you have with the Lord. Well, if you choose to do that, you may be in trouble. Don't do that. If you're going to be faithful to God in His house and His work, be faithful. And going to church and missing church doesn't send you to hell. I'm not saying that. But if you're going to be faithful, be faithful. And Paul asked, Lord, what will you have me to do on the road to Damascus? Parents need to ask that question. Lord, what do you want me to do? Listen, will you step forward today to receive power through the Spirit as a the musicians come. If you'll just play softly. Someone on the piano, if you would. Will you share the purpose for the message? And will you take a public stand? We need to band together. We're in a mess today in Congress because nobody wants to cooperate. I don't care which side. Don't. I'm not talking about which side of the aisle you're on. I'm, I'm, in my lifetime, I've never seen as much division as we have in this country. But the more I look and the more I view, and our churches, we're divided. We're divided. That's not what Jesus wants. He wants us together. By the way, you don't, you don't have to... I, I wish everybody enjoyed the music that I sing. The Lord's blessed me with the ability to write. Uh, some of them that are out there. 
I wish everybody did. I'd be out of, I'd make a lot of money maybe, you know. But you know, you don't have to like exactly what I like. But you do have to like something that serves and worships the Lord. If the song has any meaning, it ought to be doctrinally sound. And it ought to give praise to God. That's the same way for a message. You can preach a lot of things, but be sure it's founded upon thus saith the Word of God. Jesus said, If I be lifted up, I'll draw all men to me. We need to lift him up. Would you stand, please?